Karate in the Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Nuke Lelouch. Oh my God. This movie. You know what it is already. You've looked. It's number four for Boys of Summer. And oh boy. <laughs> it is 1988's Bull Durham. Bull Durham, dude. Okay. Let's just get this out of the way because. Yes, let's get this out of the because way. Because what happens after that is going to surprise people that listen to the show and, uh, and have some miles with us that may have heard me say more one time that I'm not a big fan of Kevin Costner dude he is the ch- most charming motherfucker <laughs> in dude. anything I've ever seen him in in Bull Durham he is so fucking dude yeah he's so great in yeah it. You'd, you'd sleep with Crash Davis come on yeah uh dude uh, yeah dude cost this is peak of this is Costner at the peak of his fucking powers oh, dude yeah. and this, this is the perfect role for Costner too yeah I mean uh, I'm a, I am a fan. You know, I, I like Costner. I, 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 cause I love no way out the untouchables. I think he's great in the untouchables. You know, I remember people saying, Oh, he's just, like, he's not supposed to be Robert De Niro. The, everybody else does all that stuff. He's in JFA. Okay. Look, but dude, this is the quintessential Kevin Costner role in my opinion. Right. I'd already seen Silverado, but uh, you know, Silverado, Silverado, but this movie is the movie that made him a movie star. Right. You mentioned a few of those movies where, I was a big fan of him at that time, and 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 before I had a personal thing with him, and it's and I'm not going to get into that here, but um, but that that window of Untouchables, and even you know even shortly before this, and before uh, No Way Out with Silverado, and he's and I, we even talk about in the old and, and the old formatted Silverado episode. Oh my gosh, I think it's like an yep. hour and forty minutes long. It's so long. Yeah, that's cut down. <laughs> I need to cut, you know, cut that down by half, and it might be too long. Still, uh, he he just had, like you said, that there's just this block of movies where he was a boy of summer, but he could get away with it. Twelve months out of the year, he could open a movie no matter when it was. Yeah. No doubt, dude. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, he was so fucking huge, and you know, and this was the first of many baseball movies that he would do. Yeah. And they're all good. Whether I like wh- whether I like him or not in it. <laughs> Look, man, if you're making a baseball movie and you don't have Costner in it, it's probably not going to be good. You made a mistake. Unless yeah. it's eight men out. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. Listen, yeah, right. <laughs> okay, so let, let's just do a quick rundown of who's involved in it because yeah. I have a feeling once we start talking about it, performances are going to be all uh it's going to be very gushing because everybody is just f- Again, it's just this perfect dynamic of performance and tone that it screams ADA, but at the same time, it's kind of timeless, which is kind of a baseball thing. It's hard to make a baseball movie and still make it timeless, and but it does work that way because there's no music in it that other than center field, right? Fogarty's right. center field where it, yep. it, it, it feels like it could be any point. And I think it's a great point by writer director Ron Shelton 
doing directing his his first movie, which is even nuttier because before this, he only did a handful of second unit things. Yep. And he got the guy that was he was the it guy, and Coster could he hadn't really blown up yet. And No Way Out did, was was a surprise for a lot of people because they kind of didn't know who he was. And but you know him not being in the big chill other than being the dead guy, <laughs> he was Ron Shelton as again he he'd written a handful of things before this, but he just as much as Coster is associated with baseball. It's clear you know that Coster loves his baseball. Ron Shelton is is a, a a guy who a former ball player himself. But he's a sports guy. He was the guy you go to when you want to make a sports movie. You want to make a movie that's not necessarily a, a documentary or a, like you would uh, like like a biopic or anything like that. It was just you want to do a, do something about a, a sport, boxing, baseball. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He was the guy because he's so well read with the the tone that it takes to pull these things off, and they're not all like this. You get some. You get the biopic for Cobb with Tommy Lee Jones uh, later on with with Costner. Tommy and Lee Jones. He, I already said that. I already said Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, I thought you said Cobb. No, I said Cobb with Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> and just then, fucking with you. Oh, don't do that, man! I gotta edit this shit. <laughs> so, and then and then fast forward to the reunion with Costner and with Tin Cup, and, it's, and you're doing a little golf know how to pull again it's a tone thing he's well read in whatever whatever space he's trying to work in obviously well he was also a minor league baseball player he right. did he played he played for the stockton ports uh, you know amongst other things but i mean i feel like here's the thing and i'm going to say this if unless you played sports i don't think you can write about sports i feel like the, no. I, that's the, the dialogue the, the sensibility you know i mean shelton dude it's the tone man it's the tone of these movies it, it's the, it that lends to the realism i mean who would have ever thought a movie about minor league baseball players in a love triangle and, and because it really it's it's a baseball movie but it's also it's a, it's it's kind of like a metaphor for life right and i right. feel like that's part of the baseball mystique you know what I mean? Like baseball, you know, I feel like there's a, there's a million books about baseball and, and baseball is a romanticized uh, sport, more romanticized than any other sport in, oh, in, yes. in American culture for yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. Right. And, and that's kind of what, and it's kind of the beauty of, um, you know, what Ron Shelton captures in this movie. That, that's why it, when you mentioned timeless earlier, it may look, it doesn't, it doesn't really even look, Annie Savoy doesn't dress like there's, you know what I mean? Her there. dress is a little bit uh, timeless. I mean, the whole thing. I mean, I, I was shocked at how much, how well the, the movie sort of holds up. And it leads me to this, uh, you know how I usually feel about Criterion right. <laughs> artwork on there. But I have to say the, uh, the artwork that they did on the, on the Blu-ray, the 4K, it really leans into that sort of uh, baseball mystique. It looks like a Norman Rockwell um, Ode to baseball. So it, it, the movie itself, and, and again, that that's that that's really due a lot to Shelton's writing. And like you had touched on before we started talking, the um, sort of the structure of the film. It's 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 not it's it's not your classic three act structure, right? And you talk about the love triangle too. There isn't just the love triangle between the three stars. So it's a love triangle between playing baseball. Yeah. Playing minor league baseball or not playing baseball at all or playing the big show. So there's the triangle. It's like you call it a day because we see all three of them in this. Yes. 
Uh, we see Nuke go off to play the big show. We don't actually see him play. We just see him later on with the, doing his interview, spouting some stuff that Crash had taught him, and some, and which is a great little moment there too. And that's when the, we were talking about with, with with Tim Robbins. He has that there. He's very charming there, like he was in IQ. But he's not like that in other things. Everything else is. I think what's the way you like to put it? You know, he's very actorly in other movies. Yes. And this just kind of, these those two movies, and I'm refer, referring to IQ and, and Bull Durham, I just feel like he's he's just charming. I feel, I feel like there's acting yeah. going on there. I, I feel like there's actually a performance going on there as opposed to going through the motions of some exercise he learned at an acting class. Yeah, it, no, exactly. You're, you're 100% right. Like, like I told you before we get on, I mean, for me, this is like the quintessential role. I, I cue the same, but I mean, this is, if you made me pick one Tim Robbins movie, it would always be this. Yeah. You know, there are other things he's been okay in, but for the most part, I feel like, you know, this is the movie. And, and, and when we talk to Shawshank, my second thing that I would recommend to everyone, everyone ever asked me, well, the third thing, because I would say IQ after this, Sergio and I used to watch IQ, like, and when we worked together at the video store, like, almost every day we would put it on. We'd throw the laser disc on because we love the movie so much. Well, after Matt, though, is so, like, not cast right for that movie, but he's so funny in it. Yeah. For my third thing, and it, and that's the only thing because it's so not him was Arlington Road. That's the only thing I've yeah, ever seen. Arlington, Tim Robbins. Yeah, and that's then, what I was gonna say. I was gonna throw that out there too because he, dude, he kind of plays against type. Yeah, that would be a third for me. And then yeah. if I had to honorable mention is his turn in Robert Altman's Shortcuts. I've never been a big fan of the player. I'm not. I'm not in love with it as much as everybody else is. Um, but again, it might be one of those movies I need to look at again, but I, it's, it's solid. It's just, he's always turned me off. Yeah. And he's so, <laughs> it, the character is so despicable and it's like, you don't want to, and if you've ever seen the player and I, I'm just going to say this, if you've seen, you know, what I'm talking about, and if you feel this way, don't feel this way. Please share the idea of share your ideas. I wish I would hold him and watch the movie. I'm like, Oh, I hope he gets caught. Oh, he is caught. I want him caught. I want him. I want him. But then that's the whole bit, though, right? The kind of right. point out the how insulated some people are in in the in the industry. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Was I'm probably we're not talking it. about the players, so let's. <laughs> but Susan Sarandon. Oh, dude. And I mentioned this shortly before I hit record. There is a moment in this movie where. Costner's playing cat and mouse with with her the whole movie. Um, yeah, dude, their back and forth is it's it's wonderful. I mean, yeah. uh, the flirting, the you know, the will they won't they when it's more of like when they right right. <laughs> it's funny, and it wasn't until this time I watched it where Costner's chasing the his, the, the the minor league record. The Charlotte it was Charlotte. Is it Charlotte? Right? Is it Charlotte? Yeah, the, yeah, no, it's the it's the Durham Bulls. Yeah, no, but I was thinking of the the the, the league that they're. Oh yeah, 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 mm -hmm. yeah. So he's working on a record, or was it was it minor league in general, or is it just for that league? Yeah, yeah. So so he's chasing two hundred two hundred forty seven home runs is going to be an all time record for minor leaguers, and he's he's working on that. He never says it. Um, I think Robert Wall or maybe the announcer says it. And then, of course, Susan Sarandon's character says it in there, too, that you're in, it shows you how well versed she is. She's not just some dude, some woman that's banging on no, the dude. ball player. She understands the game and she's well and she understands and she knows that she's just a walking statistician. It's pretty fucking cool. And then, dude, 
you don't have to be into baseball, but if you're a straight man and you're listening, you don't know baseball to go, man, that's pretty hot. <laughs> you know, all that stuff. Yeah, dude, totally. I mean, the three leads are perfect. And, yes. you know, they're all like perfect, pitch perfect in this flick. And, and Sarandon, dude, I mean, God, she's yeah. probably as hot as they, and it's funny because she's, ex, she's the same age as my mom, which is crazy. <laughs> but my, you know, it's weird. Like, uh, I remember, dude, I just remember like the scene, the dude, where, where they, when they finally get together and, yeah. and he's painting her toenails and yeah. dude, dude, the pan from her face down the bed because you, you know, you, yeah. okay. We all know Ron Sheldon is trying to sell the, we don't see Koster because we he's down below, right? We, you know, that's what that's the insinuation. And as you do the slow pan, you realize, oh yeah, he's down below, but a lot further down than her body than you expect, and he's down there painting her toes. Yeah, man, it's 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 really good. Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, what's great about this movie is I feel like the three main characters. Part, I mean, Costner and Robbins are obviously headed in different directions, right? And and she is, you know, also sort of at a crossroads in her. She's not. I don't want to say spring chicken because she's, you know. But again, in the story, you know, she's an older. You know, how long do you do this? How long do you do, right. do you chase? Is it a new ball player? You know, on his way to the show. You know, two trains passing in the night. Is, is or how long? How long is it fun to get on and off the train? I guess is right. what I'm getting at. But her chemistry with both guys is great, right. as is theirs with her. And and Costner and Robbins are really funny together. Oh, they're great together. Yeah. This is probably the first time I really saw Tim Robbins in, in a starring role or co-starring role. You know, other times he'd, you know, kind of bit parts like you had mentioned Fraternity Vacation, which is probably most famous for Stephen Jeffries yes. and Amanda Bierce. They did it right before Fright Night, maybe. Right. But like the, the supporting cast, everybody's perfect in this movie. And, and again, it's the realism and the flavor that Shelton, you know, brings to the, not just to the script, but, you know, in his deaf direction of this film. Right. Trey Wilson is so great as the manager. Yeah. It's funny, dude. I didn't realize Trey Wilson had passed away in 1990. He was 40. Yeah. He seems like he's been around. I mean, dude, like I would, if I would, if I thought about it, like he's in so many movies and I guess it was a very short time period, but in my mind, it's been over the course of, you know, years and years and years, but he passed away in 1990, I think 89 or 90. Yeah. But I mean, the mark that guy left in my movie, uh, cinema history is, uh, he, dude, he was great. He was, you know, one of those character actors that just, you know, nailed it every time. Here's the here's the thing, and you got the date wrong. He, you said you said he passed in ninety, maybe you said eighty nine, but dude, he he got buried. What would have been his forty first birthday? Wow, right? That's crazy. It is. I think for me, the movie I really took notice of him on was Soldier Story. Yep, Married to the Mob is kind of that, and, and Raising after, Arizona after this, right? And then Raising Arizona be just a year before that, playing Nathan Arizona, the father of. <laughs> the furniture king and, and all those and all the kids at the end of having. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and dude, I mean, he turned, he did, he, he did so many movies, twins, uh, dude, he he played Sam Phillips in great balls of fire. Right. Speaking of biopics, uh, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> it's such a fucking weird, like I I really did not even realize. I mean, I knew he had passed away, but I didn't realize it was, you know, so long ago and so close to the release of this movie. We, and we talked earlier in the year about Miller's Crossing. 
right? Mm-hmm. He was supposed to play the Albert Finney character before he passed. Wow. The, Co- the Coens had them all slotted in and everything. When he passed, that's how the, uh, Albert Finney got in the movies because he had passed. Dude, that's crazy, man. I know, right? I think he only did like 15 major like feature. Like It was in fe- like 15 movies, something like that. All of them. Yeah, dude, but they're all the high memorable. Perf- yeah, exactly. They're all kind of movies that we've all seen. When I look at those last, well, like I mentioned, Places from the Heart earlier, he's not really in it because you just hear him in the voice when, during one of the races, right? Yep. Um, did I get that right? I don't know. Heart. I think so. Uh, Places in the Heart is the other movie. I had heart, like a, heart like a wheel on my head. Such <laughs> an idiot. But no, so, Places but, in the Heart, that's, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, but but once, I think, because this part where he got really expanded a lot was in FX, but, but 100%, though, from Raising Arizona, I was really aware of who he was going forward. But, dude, I didn't realize that. He did some voiceover work before that. He did a bunch of stuff for Bashki for Lord the Lord of the Rings, and I mean, a movie in 78. Yeah, he was a rad. He's so rad in this. And everybody, everybody's so good in this. It's funny because we talked about before how there's people in this movie that we don't normally, you know, we prefer not to watch in other things. Um, but, yes. But everybody is so good in this. It's kind of hard not to um, because sometimes we, we, I won't say who it is, but there's a, uh, there's an actor in this that has been in other things and he is such a standout and negative way in other things doing the same shtick too. That's the thing too. It works in this, but it doesn't work in his other things. And he, yeah. Are you talking about Robert wall? <laughs> okay. We'll just say it then. <laughs> I, I mean, look, I, I love him in this movie. He's great. Yeah. It's not that I'm not a fan. It's just like when I, I don't, I don't rush out. I mean, when he shows up in things, I'm like, eh, I, I can't wait for him to be off screen right. uh, because it, you know, but dude, his, he's great in this. It, it all works. It, it's, he's funny. Um, it's just, you know, it's kind of like, I, you know, like I said, he, he kind of reminds me of Albert Brooks and I, I just want Albert Brooks if I'm going to have Albert Brooks, right. uh, but Wool's great in this dude, William O'Leary. You know, Danny Gans, another guy who is, you know, is no longer with us. But I mean, the the rest of the cat and dude, and then all of the baseball players, everybody has their little moment. Like, and they're people you've never heard of because I, I want right. to, I want to think maybe some of them were actually maybe sort of minor league ball players who just, they were like, yep, along for the ride. And then dude, Jenny Robertson, who plays Millie, <laughs> is, yes. is, is kind of unheralded. She's great. Yeah. Uh, this is a rare movie where you like watch it and you're like, it kind of seems like you're just watching a slice of life, right? Like, right? like you're not even watching a movie. You're just watching. And you, and here's the thing. You like everybody in the movie, even, even nuke yeah. <laughs> who is just a kook dude. And baseball players are weird. And you know, they're idiosyncratic. Um, they, they have their superstitions and their, you know, dude, the whole breathe through your eyes. Thing. <laughs> There's so many good, good bit and memorable stuff in this movie. Right. You know, it's a movie that I don't know why I don't watch more. I used to watch it. I would. I used to watch this in Major League every every baseball season. Like when baseball would get ready to kick off, I would always watch these two movies just to sort of you know to rekindle you know or, or to remind myself why baseball is so. And this is I'm I'm talking. This is before steroid scandals and. I don't know. Baseball has kind of lost its luster for me. I, I oh, follow yeah. it, yeah. but not the way I used to follow it. And I don't know if that's just as you get older, you, you know, you prioritize things that you have time for. I don't have time to sit down and watch every Cubs game <laughs> or, you know, it would, for me though, where it got, well, you dude, it's become like you're, you're working it. You're immersed in it. Well, the time. It's like, I, I, I have a renewed interest because I'm around Dodger fans and other fans. Cause, the, right. but, but, 
I really, and I, and I, I was soured for a lot of years. I still am in a lot of ways because how close together were those two strikes? Yeah. It was like, like going, everyone knows that I'm a massive hockey fan, but there's been, there's been work stoppages there because the owners say, I want more money, whatever. They're the ones that prevent the players from playing, but the MLB and the MLBA, like by PA, excuse me, stop. They had work stoppage. They went on strike twice in the three year period. Was it or a four year period? It was too short of a window. But that's where I really, the first strike was not so much, but when it happened again, and I, I don't, I know it was, I'm pretty sure it was less than a five-year period. I was just like, fuck this. It used to be something special, you know, something that we could talk to our dads about. My dad, I mean, up to a certain point, I had not until like 89, 88, 89. I remember one time this movie came out. Every baseball game I went to I went with my dad, I was I never went to a game that I went with, with friends or, an, an, a, you know, a friend's family or anything or, or, but, with exception, I went twice with the baseball team. I was playing in Little League. That's the only time I, did, I went to a ball game where I didn't go with my dad. But that's also that special thing. That's why a lot of people, it's such a considered an American sport through and through, why it's so important, just like it is hockey up in, in Canada. It's, it's, it's a culture. And at least it was then and not so much now because, like you said, pre, you know, before things behind the scene were visible by everybody. Um, whether it's just shitty behavior from players, steroids, just a whole slew of things. And then the probably the thing that made it all all the worse, they all started making way too much money, way too much money. Yeah. And it, it affected the game across the board. Yeah, it just it just took it from I mean, I, I you know, it's funny because I remember, I remember when the Major League Baseball Network first started, mo- mostly what they showed were like, you know, they would show a lot of games from the seventies and eighties right. and they would show the uh, old home run derby thing that they shot here in LA at the uh, fake Wrigley field. I mean, there's just, there's just, I, I don't know, man. I remember there, you know, I, well, again, I were, you know, older than uh, most people who are probably going to listen to this. There was a time when baseball players had to have real jobs during the off season, like Roger Maris owned a roofing company. <laughs> I mean, you know, and these are guys who are stars. They, you know, Mickey Mantle had a, like an off season job, <laughs> right? You know, it, so not to to to, to, to I'm I'm, tra- I'm trying to take it back to but what I find the craziest thing about this movie is that it was made for a hundred grand. What is this? Yeah, how was it made for a hundred? How was it made for a hundred? Look, look at the budget. Look at the budget. It says nine million. It, you know, on IMDb, it says a hundred grand budget, one hundred grand estimated. <laughs> what is it really? That's what it says. I mean, is that true? Is that is that a real thing? It's nine million dollars. How did they make this for a hundred grand? <laughs> the craft service is a hundred grand, <laughs> dude. I'm, look, I'm just saying. I was well, like, how did they make this movie for hundred grand? Right now, it really is. I'll put it. Am I lying? <laughs> no, it's what it says. I know. I do. <laughs> That's why I'm like, uh, yeah. So th- th- I find it very interesting that they made this for a hundred grand. What, what universe was that? Or, uh, did everybody work for free? <laughs> I just need to know. Hey, look, man, that, that was be that was before tax breaks in North Carolina. <laughs> Hundred grand, dude, and it made fifty million dollars. Ron Ron Shelton should still be fucking, you know, getting jobs. You know, and how do you make that for a hundred grand? Yeah, but then he, then he started. Then he had to charge one hundred fifty grand for tin cup. Sometimes I think that sometimes I think there's giant. Gl- I mean, who I don't know. Who, does anybody fact check IMDb? Can you can you imagine what, can you imagine watching Bull Durham though and have it on Prime and having the X-ray pop up and have that and that bullshit trivia pop up? 
So that still was made for 100 grand. We what? were doing an episode of Disengaged, speaking of Ari- freezing Arizona. We did, it was, and, and we were watching it on Prime because that was always the bit, right? And the x-ray popped up for it. And remember, it was it was for Kill Chain. There was some yep. kind of nonsensical stuff. And I'm like, what the fuck? Did-? First of all, we knew it wasn't true because we knew better. Right. And it was something like that just didn't make any sense. And I'm like, wait, you guys, and again, if you're unaware, you know, Amazon owns IMDb. So that's where all the extra information you're here, you, you see come through on x-ray when you're using Prime. It, and to me, that's such a weird, it's a weird thing. It makes sense why they do it, but it's weird when the information's not there. And we, I think we've all seen enough IMDb lookups that don't make any sense that we this know one. are bullshit. This is, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't care how well versed you are in the budgets of Hollywood movies, but yeah, man, I, I, there's no way this movie was made for a hundred grand. What was the last time a major release was even through MGM was only a hundred thousand dollars in total budget? It was before you and I were born. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just wondering, like, uh, yeah, and this is obviously a mistake. Somebody, but no know. one's corrected it. No, <laughs> and it's, I'm sure it's not the first day it's been on IMDb. This Why? is the first time I ever looked at it. Wait, dude, you, there's an edit button. What happens if you hit the edit button? Can you change that? Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna change it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna email Ron Shelton and ask him. <laughs> but okay, so, but like what I was kind of getting at with uh, the, just the negative vibe I was getting with baseball. This makes me feel like I did before yeah, totally. that shit. That, and, 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 and that's kind of where I was going. Like this yeah. kind of rekindles your love affair with baseball, right? Yeah. This yeah. and major league. And, uh, and also the other costume baseball, like field of dreams, right. Phil Alden Robinson's field of dreams and, uh, Sam Raimi's for the love of the game. Yep. I mean, they're all, and I want to even go back to, uh, Barry Levinson's the natural is yep. another one, yep. you know, there, there were so many, uh, it's funny because, you know, when people talk baseball movies, I feel like the first thing that people bring up to me is the bad news bears always. <laughs> and I, and I like it, but I mean, it's not, uh, it's a different thing, man. It's a, it's a kind of a gross out comedy. It is. But then if you play little league ball, sure. The accuracy of, especially when we grew up. Oh yeah, exactly. That's the thing too. And you know, kid in the eighties isn't going to totally relate to some of the shit that happens in it, but we, you and I know damn good and well, we, we all saw it. We saw, we all saw dads like drinking beers, like cigarettes in the dugout, like Buttermaker and like uh, Vic Morrow. Vic Morrow's character. We saw Vic Morrow's character on at least every on one team every year that we played against. I wanted to throw back again to, uh, I, I watch this on Max. I don't own it on, you know, obviously I don't, I don't. Oh, own dude, it. you should really pick up this. Uh, yeah, 4K. I, I might, I, I, I might, cause it, I really did realize what a, okay. But here's the thing I was getting at. This is one of those times where an incredible transfer kind of betrays the makeup in the movie. You want to, what I'm going to tell you about the 4k transfer, it goes back to what you were talking about a few weeks ago about, Criterion under 4K transfers. It's not so good that it ruins the movie. It's, it's, I was like, uh, because I, and I don't know if that's because of the source material, um, that they're working with, but it doesn't, it doesn't take away. It's, it's not like where you address it, it. It doesn't ruin the movie. It doesn't like be like, Oh God. Cause I, I gotta say, man, like the jaws cleanup, the 4k jaw, I can't watch it. Uh, it's, it look, I feel like I'm watching something that was shot on videotape when I see it. But when, this happens a lot with 
when you see a 4K, when you see a, uh, a 4K cleanup, you don't notice what you're talking about on the 4K version. But when you see it, that when they take that 4K master and make the Blu-ray, that's when, it, ironically, that's when it puts a, a, a an unpleasant sheen on on uh, on the the video image. Right, and then that's it's with this though. Like I was saying, the image looks so good on Max, and it was a good, really good HD transfer. I wouldn't be surprised if you know, this was struck from the the Blu-ray. When they show a close up of Crash's black eye, I'm like, dude, you, it's it. The, the image is so clean, you can tell it's makeup. It's yeah. It's, it, that's like I said, it, it betrays the makeup in the movie. Yep. But at the same time, to talk about the pluses, I mean, uh, of the image. In those close-up moments, when they have that ECU of Sarandon and she turns and those eyes just fucking yeah, man. explode. Oh, my yeah, totally. God. It's like there was one point in my life where I didn't like going, I didn't get her. But then when I hit, I don't know, like 25, 26 years old, I'm like, oh, yeah, I get it now. <laughs> I totally get it now. Dude, I I mean, I I had the hots for her since I saw Rocky Horror Picture Show when I was like 12. <laughs> well, see, that's a different thing because that's like, for me anyway, that that's more of a, that was more of a visual thing if, and uh, as far as yeah, no, what, no, she's, totally. what like, she wears there, in it. There's also, the, there's a, there's just something about the way it just her, it's her whole Annie Savoy thing. It's yeah. whatever she's putting out there, you know, for that 17, 18 year old me, it was like, Oh God, it totally worked. Like I was smitten. <laughs> the the way crash kind of deals with her. Right. Oh yeah. In, in a way that is something she's not used to. She puts Correct. herself out there. The ball players are usually all over her. And the difference is, is that she's not, she's used to dealing with the young bucks as they're coming through. Right. And as opposed to somebody who's age appropriate and is very seasoned and, been around, and, yeah. and knows how to deal with the types like Annie, but Annie's different. Annie's different in that she's not some, she's just not a groupie. She's not a groupie. She is, she's well-read. She's educated. She's a teacher uh, and she's, so the funny thing is, is because you get a joke about how she's always reading poetry to the players when they, when whatever player she's hooking up with for that, that season. Right. And, but you don't think that she's a teacher and she only gets that re- she only reveals that to, to crash when they're having right. an adult conversation. <laughs> no, hundred percent. And she's also, she's also sort of giving, you know, also in her sort of strange way, she's also imparting wisdom on these guys right. uh, that they'll use later during their, you know, when, when times get weird uh, in the, you know, in your baseball journey and also your life journey. Right. Yeah. It's really interesting. Uh, th- there's many layers to this movie yeah. outside of the baseball thing. What, what I want to talk about real quick is, is uh, you know, my usual bitch. And I said, I didn't mind. I don't mind the art they did for the 4k uh Blu-ray, but I gotta say, man, the original one sheet of this fucking post. This is such a great poster, man. Uh, just the two of them leaning on the car, her with her hand slightly into his jacket, right? You know, it, you know him with the beer in his hand, <laughs> bat in one hand, beer in the other. I mean, dude, that's that's minor league baseball. I mean, there, there's just something about that poster, and then that great tag at the bottom underneath Bull Durham, a major league love story in a minor league town. I mean, it kind of sums it up, right? I mean, right. it's kind of perfect. But everything about this poster, I, you know, this is, I remember seeing the poster and being like, oh, I got to see that movie. And it's funny because I kind of knew going in, it wasn't going to just be about baseball, which is, you know, weird. 
Yeah, man, this movie is so good. It is. And to kind of lean on the, the triangle a little bit more and just how Annie is in it, usually in a movie like this, a traditional romantic comedy. And it, that's another thing too. I love, I mean, let, let me get, I'll get to that. Let me, let me kind of finish up your, the thought on the, the poster. Yeah. The great thing about the poster, it's so misleading. Yeah. It's totally. because you think that they hook up right away and they don't hook up until the last 10 minutes of the movie, which is so fucking cool. It's like you said, it says everything you want to see about the movie, but it also is a little, it's a little bit um, inaccurate. At the same time, which is which is good because sometimes you see a poster, you go, what the fuck's that movie about? At least you know what this movie's about. Oh, it's about baseball, and then there's that guy coming up, and that, and then she's like, you get you get so much from the poster that ends up being true at the end of the movie, not so much throughout the movie. Love triangles usually in a movie like this in a romantic comedy, you right. have it, the it's the the guy that's doing all the pursuing. Oh yeah, to doing the wooing, but it's Annie. Annie's trying to; she's trying to woo both guys. And no, I, absolutely. And, and ironically, it's it's Crash who's controlling both him and Nuke. He's controlling Nuke's actions by saying, "Dude, you want to go to the show, man? You have to stop fucking around." <laughs> yeah, is, 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 is that a little bit of uh, Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew in reverse? Yes. This movie, yes. maybe a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a little. I mean, bit. I never really thought about it until you just said that, and I'm like, ah, well, you know what? I, I could see that because it's very. Uh, it's funny because this movie, you're right, it, it is because they really only get together at the end. And the other thing, usually about these love triangle movies, you know, they, they kind of have tragic endings, or, or you know, or somebody somebody feels they're wronged at the end. And, and I feel like there's no hard feelings anywhere in this movie. Right. It's like baseball, man. Like the, the season starts, the season, you know, it's a long season, and then it's over, right. and then you know, fall comes, and then it all starts every it all starts anew in the spring. Right. It's a metaphor for life, man. Right. This is again, this is another one of those movies where uh, I wasn't going to be surprised that I like it because I've, I've always liked this movie. And I don't did, I think this might be the that I picked this one. I think I picked this one. I think we said we needed a baseball movie. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think or, I picked this one began on my goal. He's not going to. I I thought to myself, when I texted you, Mike, he's not going to argue with me about this one. No, God, no, dude. <laughs> I fucking love this movie. And, and because I, I, and I hadn't seen it in a long time, and I was definitely doing it based off of the, our theme of our show. And and then like I haven't seen this in a long time. Can it hold up? And can and and what else can it hold up? Can I can my uh, unevenness for Costner's work is that going to hold up? And fuck, dude, yeah, dude, it, it's just this is a perfect baseball movie, even when it's not about baseball. Because it really overall, no, it's not totally. about baseball. It's just the setting. Well, you know, to me, it, it's funny because I would say it's a lot like um, it's a lot like Slapshot. Yes. Paul Newman hockey oh, movie, God, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It, there's a great pairing right there, yeah. Right? Like, it, it really is. Like, you watch it, and, you know, it, sure, they're playing hockey, they're playing baseball, but there's more to it than that. It's not, you know, you don't have to be a baseball or a hockey fan to enjoy either one of those films, right? Right. And, and that's kind of where it transcends its genre. I mean, I wouldn't classify, I don't know that I would classify this as a baseball movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a... It's not really a baseball movie. That's what, I was, that's what I was saying. It's it's just the base baseball is really the setting, but people yeah. are going to call it a baseball movie. Sure, like if if you were listing you know to your top ten baseball movies, it literally uh, is always on there, and and it is a baseball movie, but also it's not a baseball movie. Just like Slapshot's not really a hockey movie, right. and I feel like Costner and Paul Newman, uh, their performances are very similar. They're you know the characters anyway. You know, they're guys who've been doing it forever and, you know, 
how long are we going to do it? You know, and right. what comes next? And, uh, you know, for Costner's character in this, he apparently moved to Visalia <laughs> and became the manager of the Visalia Oaks. Right. There's there's very little difference between between uh, Newman's Reggie Dunlap and Crash Davis and Crash Davis. It, they're there's such similar characters, even though I mean, gosh, how old was Newman when he did Slapshot? Oh, Newman was in his 50s, dude. Yeah, yeah. He he was up there. Hey, this one this this one had a six million dollar budget. Dude, that's a, and by the way, that sounds like a lot for nineteen seventy six when they shot it. Is six million? Oh, I'm sure it was arenas and stuff like that. But six million's not that. I mean, six million to me seems six million dollars then is probably you know twenty million. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, you couldn't make slap shot for. I don't know if you can make that movie. If you made that movie, you'd be 25, 30 million on the low end now. Yeah, it's anyway. Anyway. And you know, when you got George Roy Hill directing that, it's, he does you can't like like Ron Shelton is kind of the sports guy. You know who he is? <laughs> George Roy Hill is uh, he's the Paul Newman guy. Yeah, totally. <laughs> the Sting. The Sting, uh Bush Cassidy. Yeah. Um Shit, what else? They, what, had a, what they, they, they just about? had a great working relationship, not unlike yeah. Costner and um, Sheldon. Yeah. I was shocked that, uh, you know, they only made one more movie together, I think, just uh, Tin Cup. Yeah, yeah, just the two of them, right? Yeah. Now, as far as, like, Spielberg and Cruise, were they, did they do a third movie? Mm, I, I, I don't think so. I not, yet. <laughs> not yet. Maybe, not, maybe not soon. Yet. It's funny because also, you know, it's weird, uh, you know, Paul, because Shelton just a couple years later made a movie with Paul Newman. Yep. Blaze. Yeah. Which is, again, uh, you know, if you haven't seen Blaze, check that out. But um, but Bull Durham, it's again, you know, like Slapshot, they're not really, you know, they're not really sports. You don't have to be a fan of the sport to be a fan of the movie. Right. Where I feel like some some uh, hockey movies like Miracle, you really got to you got to really, you know. You got to be a hockey guy. Uh, I feel like because that's to me that's more of a hockey movie, and it's it's based on a true event. And just like you know, Eight Men Out is you know if you're not a baseball nerd uh, who knows about the you know the Black Sox and all that, <laughs> it it probably doesn't hold up. Like if you if you know, I, if I was recommending a movie, you know, somebody said, "Hey, what's a movie that I would recommend?" Bull Durham or right. even Major League right. before I would recommend um, something that's strictly a baseball movie because uh, you know. In, there's just a something about Bull Durham that uh, it's not just a sports movie. It's a, it's a movie about life. And I feel like to transcend, you know, it's, what is this, almost 40 years ago? And you can still watch this movie and it's still, there's a lot, you get a lot more out of it, I think. I mean, I do. Every time I watch it, I feel, right. you know, especially since it's probably been about, I don't know, 10 years since I watched it. I think I probably watched it around 2000, 2005, something like that. It was the last time. And I watched it with my dad. Right. Uh, Cause my dad, you know, he, he thought Susan Sarandon, you know, was the fucking cat's meow as he would say. <laughs> right. Dude, this is, this is probably, I mean, I love Minority Report, but this might be my favorite movie of that we're covering. Yeah. I mean, they're apples to oranges. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's in, and I, you know, I, I, let me let me kind of close out my thoughts on Costner and baseball movies. I would go as far to say as like everything that we consider people, the general public would consider a baseball movie. I think for the love of the game is the only one that's really a baseball movie. Field the Field of Dreams most certainly is not about baseball. No, and as much as it is surrounded by constantly by baseball. I mean, you, you, it's hard to, if you look at bullet points of, of 
field of dreams, you don't, how can I accurately say with any, with any conviction that it's not a baseball movie? It's not. Right. No. Cause the bulk of things, when you get to the end, right. And he has his moment with his dad. Shit. Yeah. It's rough, dude. Sorry. It's Father's Day recording today, so it's like it's a little bit extra, and it didn't really hit me until just this moment. So sorry. Uh, fuck. Yeah, try try not to think about it. <laughs> just well, because we're sitting here, and I got like three texts: one from Sergio, one from my friend Camille, wishing me a happy Father's Day, knowing you know what this day, this being the first day after my dad. So it's like a dude. My dad died on Father's Day, so I forgot about that shit till you just <laughs> just you start to say it. I'm like, oh my god, I know what you're gonna say. Yeah. yeah, it's it's, yeah, right. it's rough. Fuck. <laughs> Let's but, just move on. But seriously, but the, and I think it's fitting that we're recording this today because this yes. is the kind of movie like, that we would definitely watch with our, with our pops. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. All right. Let's close this thing out before I fucking lose it. Yeah, don't cry. Come on. <laughs> don't cry. No crying in baseball. Stop. You mean stop crying. There's no crying in baseball, but you can cry in Bull Durham because it's not really about baseball. <laughs> right. Does anybody cry in that movie? Nobody cries, huh? That's something else, too. That's funny, right? Nobody cries in Bull Durham. Nobody cries for and Yeah. No. And there's no reason to. Tears of joy, my friend. Well, you think that what's his face crying because he's finally because he marries Millie. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, shit. All oh, that cake topper was the fucking best. Yeah, dude. There, there's so much. Good, I mean, dude, the, look, I, look, I just say if you haven't seen Boulder, um, uh, despite us rambling on for fucking almost an hour now, um, you know, you're going to enjoy it. And, and, you know, just take it all in, you know, sit down, yeah. put your phone away and watch it on a, you know sunny summer afternoon yep and uh it's on max right now if you don't own it on dvd and i'm surprised like hell if you don't own it on vhs right part of me is watching it when you get to that that hd moment like i was talking about and it looks gorgeous because i'm thinking the whole time it looks great this looks great but part of me is like thinking man how fun it'd be to go back and throw a vhs in or throw a laser right? scan and get that four three thing Dude. going yeah i i was thinking the same thing because i'm i saw it in a theater and then probably for 20 years i watched it Every year on VHS until, you know, well, I guess not 20 years, but when, you know, till probably <laughs> 2000. So at least a dozen summers I watched it on VHS. So like the first time I remember seeing it in widescreen, I hadn't not since the movie and it, it's such a, you know, it's such a bigger movie, but uh, yeah, I would, I would be curious what it, I would love. I would love to just go back and watch it in the old four by three pan scan format. I guess uh, if you know your TV well enough, you could probably figure out a way of, of getting that crop factor to work properly. And you know, you know, there's somebody out there that's yeah. got that shit set up, but it, it, it's not a super wide movie. It's a one eight five, no. but, and, and it doesn't, it, it's because it's kind of, and it's not the way he doesn't always shoot one eight five. He doesn't, he doesn't, sometimes he'll, he'll shoot super wide, but when you have a super intimate movie like this, right. Whether it's, it's crash and, and, and new cabin, they're close. Or the locker close room up. scenes. Yeah. On the one. Yeah. Do But seriously, those on the bus scenes, the moments, of with crash and nuke on the mound are so fucking Dude. good yep a super wide movie it would just it wouldn't work it just it just the intimacy of it is gone if well you, the other thing too is you'll know this because you're you know you watched a lot but it really looks like how we used to see baseball on the nbc game of the week yeah it was all kind of shot like that like you know, there weren't all, there wasn't all this high, this technology and all these beautiful wide drone. Dude, it was about the baseball. It wasn't about spectacle back then. It was about the game on the field. And, uh, and this movie, you know, that's one thing I will say the baseball part of it, 
it, it's super realistic, like for the time. I mean, it's funny, like when you watch it now and if you're used to watching like a baseball game on, you know, Major League Baseball Network or on Fox Sports, uh, you're, you're going to be kind of shocked at what the baseball looks like in this. Right. It's when you watch all that old stuff, when two consecutive years, 77 and 78, where the Dodgers and the Yankees played each other in the World Series, when I, and that's probably the, those things I see the most of. And it's hard to kind of adjust your head to that when you start watching it because you're so now we're so used to seeing things the way they are. I want to say something. I don't know if we keep this in the episode or not. Just, just for maybe just end up being for us back when you only had three networks, it, you, you ever know, like now it's like, Hey, you're going to watch the game. Where is it? Where can I see it? It's like, it's this, right. What streaming service has it? Dude. And then it says, was it ESPN or ESPN plus? Or it's, it, <sighs> and it's like, it's just, it's just fucking too much. It's fucking terrible, dude. I'm trying to get my, trying to make, you know, my mom is a Dodger fan and trying to fucking. Oh man. I can't even imagine that. My mom, my mom trying to watch a Dodgers game is like, it's like a comedy of errors. Actually, it's like a, it's like a nightmare. Right. I mean, I feel bad because she doesn't understand all that. She doesn't understand blackout fucking market black. She doesn't understand all that shit. And she just gets frustrated that she can't find the goddamn Dodgers game. Oh dude. And uh, dude, I mean, let, let me say something about that too. The blackout rules, the blackout rules are only blackout rules until they say, oh, well, maybe not today. Yeah, totally. And it's like, just, exactly. They, they flex out of it all the time. It's bullshit. What I've done is I've hooked her up. So what she doesn't realize is she's watching it on the Major League Baseball (laughs) app. She's watching the day before's game. She's watching the replay. She doesn't know, though. It's fine that way. She doesn't listen to the show, so she's not going to hear this either. They're really good about not putting replay on that shit anymore. absolutely. Thank God. I I hate when they do that shit. Right, because she doesn't know, because she doesn't read the paper and stuff. So, you know, so that's kind of the route we had to go. But uh, anyway, that I, I'm, I'm, I'm digressing from our uh, from the Boulder episode. Anyway, so yes, I don't want to say that I'm going to disagree with you about which one I had more fun talking about, but I'll say this in true form to our show when we go back and watch something, probably you more than me. I went into this going, all right, please hold up. Because I don't want to, I don't, if we had such a fun time doing MR, I didn't want to, I didn't want to roll back. You want to go back to Cable Guy? Yeah. No. (laughs) No, I knew it looked good. There was no way that this movie wasn't going to fucking hold up for me. Like, anyway. If I was being a stubborn dick, that's the only way it would have become about I mean, I was like, okay, well, Corey's going to fucking probably, you know, he's either going to like, He's either going to bend his Costner hatred rule or he's going to be like, or it's going to be one of those episodes where we just argue the whole episode. <laughs> we haven't had one of those in a while. No, we haven't. <laughs> Once, I think. Yes. Shit. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, so we got, one, we got one more after this. Unfortunately, that, that plan thing that we wanted to do isn't going to come to fruition. That's okay. It's still going to happen. It's just not going it to happen it's this month. It'll probably be next month. Yeah, yeah. Which is cool. Our, like like we mentioned earlier, uh, the the backup. I would just say backup. It's it's something we had before. Sure. We and it'll it'll be fun too because it's something I feel like neither one of us are super familiar oh, with. Oh, no, that's exactly that's exactly because yeah. I mean other than and, the, so I don't really know what I don't know what I'm in store for because I don't even right. really remember. I don't remember the film that much. Right. <laughs> I think it's the coldest movie we've ever gone into. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you picked all. You picked four of the five. Yeah. So blame me. So so if, if shits the bed. Oh, sorry, I said it. If the fifth one shits the bed, yeah, 
It's on me. I didn't know better. <laughs> well, no, it's all fair because you didn't know better well, like, either. <laughs> and they all can't. Well, look, we look. The part of the fun of what we do is is maybe they if they were all perfect, dude. I mean, right. God, people would get tired of it hearing us gush about shit. Yeah, nobody wants so. to hear that shit all the time. No, I mean, I mean, we're never really negative anyway. Um, if you want to follow us on socials at Karate Pod on Twitter, Insta, and Letterboxd, you can follow Corey on Letterboxd, Corey underscore Culp, and on Insta is Culprit97. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me at Rock and Roll 33 on your Instagram, or you can follow me at Tom Cody at Letterboxd.com. That's Tom Cody at Letterboxd, aka Crash Davis. Walt Whitman. 